You're listening. No. You're listening to the Buns.com Podcast Network. (laughs) (laughs) Buns, buns, buns. Welcome to the Pixels and Ink Podcast, episode 271, brought to you by CG Magazine. I'm your host, Lisa Mior, and joining us today are Brendan Fry. Hello, hello, hello. And from across the city, in the faraway land of across the city, is Phil Brown. Hey, so far, so You're far. You're so far. I can't, I can't touch you. Yeah, moving right along. <laughs> <laughs> How's everyone's week been going? You guys good? I've been doing fine. How about y'all? Oh. Busy, busy, busy. Yeah, we're, we've been, uh, you know, moving and shaking, doing that thing. Exciting. Uh, new office. Yeah. Right, of course. Yeah, we're, we're exciting. Anyway, so uh, let's start with some game news. Actually, we have more tech news than game news. Um, uh, yesterday, Razor, well, not yesterday, sorry, Wednesday, Razor announced uh, that they were producing a brand new phone. So, Brendan, you have a little bit of more information on that one. Yeah. You want to start? Uh, if you didn't know, Razer used to uh, Razer bought a company called Nextbit, which made a phone called the Robin, like two years ago now, I think. Um, that phone kind of was one of those Kickstarter devices where the concept was you don't need storage on the phone; it's all in the cloud, so don't worry about it. That phone wasn't great, and the battery life was horrible. So, but anyways, Razer bought that company as the ba- as that phone was kind of dying. So everyone knew that they would eventually get a phone of their own. And yesterday they unveiled it, kind of a gaming-based phone. Uh, for anyone yeah. of those tech lovers out there, it is 120 uh, 20 mega, um, 20 hertz refresh rate. It has uh, a Qualcomm Snapdragon 835, has a great IPS screen. It has 4,000 milliamp battery, so basically it can go all day while gaming front-facing speakers, blah, blah, blah. All the top specs you could expect from a phone, only from Razer. So that's neat, I guess. And they're they're focusing mostly on gaming. That's their focus. Yeah. They're a gaming-based company, so this is kind of another push for them to make a gaming-based phone. It, it looks like another Razer device. It's a black slab with the Razer logo on the back. <laughs> We're looking to get a review unit, so as soon as we do, we'll give you our impressions, because as of right now, it looks neat. Yeah. Cool. So... Gaming yeah, on the go? A, is that the first time that there's been a phone that the primary focus is gaming? I haven't heard of that before. Oh, uh, it is the first time that uh, a gaming phone... Well, Sony had that Xperia Play, which was a phone that had kind of a Xperia-type experience where you could um, play select PS4 or PS2 game. It was weird. I don't know. It was yeah, a weird I didn't thing. even hear of that. Yeah, it, it, it didn't last very long. It looked kind of like the PS Go. So it had that okay. kind of flip-up thing, and you had like a little control panel. It wasn't great. Okay. All right. Well, hopefully this one works out better then. Yeah, let's yeah. hope. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, uh, phones have to start competing now with uh, mobile devices becoming more ubiquitous, especially yeah. with like the N- Nintendo Switch being such a good competitor to uh, like your phone on the go. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. You is. know, console to console to mobile is kind of a big yeah. deal. So yeah. that's kind of cool. Um, speaking of more games, this week was Paris Games Week, so we had a lot of really cool trailers and cool announcements uh, during the Sony presser there, mm-hmm. a little bit of controversy, so uh, some of the things that we heard about um, were uh, some news 
just some more continuous stuff that we've seen from other uh, co- uh, pressers. Um, for example, uh, there was a little more focus on Sony's VR as they, you know, now started with the in E3, mm-hmm. and uh, so we got to see. Uh, new announced titles such as Ultra Wings and a horror game called Stifled. So those ones look pretty cool. Um, Guacamole has announced that they are doing a second sequel to uh, from uh, sorry Drinkbox Drink announced Drinkbox Studios <laughs> announced. Okay, I got wow. confused for a second there. I, didn't I know. Think that, I didn't think Guacamole was sentient enough to be able to do any announcements. <laughs> well, apparently they've developed their own game. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a sequel to their game. No. Uh, yeah, Drinkbox Studios has announced uh, Guacamole 2, which is very exciting for a lot of That's people who are That's the studio out of Toronto, if anyone doesn't know. And, yeah. Uh, Guacamole was a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. So that'll be really fun. That's very exciting. Um, and uh, we've got some footage from Final Fantasy XV uh, DLC, the next chapter on uh, following all the main characters. So we've got uh, episode uh, Ignis, was shown off a bit. No, no, let me ask you. These all take place before... No. Okay, so they all take place at different periods throughout the thing. Like, for example, uh, anyone that played Gladiolus, that took place during a section of, I'm assuming, I'm going to... Spoiler here for anybody who hasn't played it yet, but there is a section in the game where um, Gladiolus uh, sort of takes off and leaves the party for, like, a significant period of time throughout the game, and that uh, his episode takes place during that period. So they're all taking place during various times throughout the timeline of the actual game. So uh, the other two have been really great from what I've seen. Um, A lot of interesting, you know, just some nice, interesting backstory, really fleshing out the relationship between the two. So I'm kind of looking forward to this one. And uh, then we had uh, some new gameplay shown from The Last of Us 2, and it was actually showing a pretty violent uh, cutscene. Uh, mm. In the, the game, did you guys get a chance to see that? I did. Yep. It yeah, I brutal. Yeah, I, I haven't yet because I'm just I'm debating whether or not I want to watch anything from the game before I play it. Yeah, um, it looks. I don't know, man. It looks pretty intense, and it's. I would hope so. Yeah, no, it's it. It really feels like it. It fits in with the whole with the original Last of Us. I know so many people who are. Well, most people who've played the game are really looking mm-hmm. forward to the sequel. So yeah. that should be like, yeah, you, no, seriously, go check out the trailer. Like it, it, it's so out of context and especially how they just sort of showed it off with like building nothing in between, <laughs> like at all. <laughs> like I, I couldn't piece it into the like anywhere in the can in the original game. There's so many questions that are left unsaid. And uh, it's okay. just it's really awesome. And yeah, don't worry about like it's spoiling anything for you. It's going to leave you with way more questions than when you came into watching it. Okay, um, I can deal with that then. I, am, yeah, it, was, I was, it was the answers I was worried about. I don't want any answers. Sorry, can you say that again? We lost you I a little bit. the answers that I was worried about. I don't want any answers. I don't want to know what's going on with that thing till I'm in the middle of it. No way. You're not going to get any answers. Like, uh, okay. Brendan, could you... Like, you saw it already, right? I have no idea what happened in that trailer. Do you know who any of the characters nope, are? No I couldn't one. place them. So Okay. All right. People think well, one like of them is mom, maybe, but no one knows. Yeah, no one's been able to kind of place that sort of thing. So oh, Okay. It cool. is really brutal, though. So there is a warning. They they did announce that it was a, f- a war mature trailer for mature audiences. But that as a, state, a statement um, that uh, PlayStation um, fr- from Sony CEO... Um, recently said that it they are making a game for adults and 
it's adults who should be playing this sort of game. So, and they're keeping in with that tone. So, okay. yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's good to, yeah, it's it's good to have an audience re- realizing that gaming is no longer just like, well, for years. I mean, it's not a kids thing. Yeah. We've kind of all evolved beyond that, and yeah, yeah. we're the audience now, right? Yeah, and particularly with The Last of Us, I mean, it was, oh, yeah. But, I mean, like, particularly with The Last of Us, it's not as if, like, they made any attempt to pander to anyone other than an adult audience. So I'd hope by this point that, you know, it's pretty understood what you're getting into with that one. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So Paris Games Week had some exciting things. So that was kind of cool. Cool. Um, yeah, and one more thing that we have is uh, some. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of stepping on your toes. So we had some interesting, uh, Phil. We had some uh, yes. interesting news out of Netflix following the Harvey Weinstein. No, no, Kevin Spacey. No, no, no. Following the whole yeah, yeah. Harvey oh, yeah. Weinstein fallout, um, and the industry starting to step up and call out uh, misogyny, uh, sexual harassment, and sexual assault within the industry. Uh, there was an incident involving Kevin Spacey. Uh, where he was accused by the main character of uh, one of the main characters in the new Star Trek Discovery show um, of uh, sexual misconduct and harass- harassment, attempted assault when he was uh, 14 at a house party. Uh, Kevin Spacey failed to have an adequate, like according to people who were listening to it, had an, failed to have kind of an adequate uh, response to that. Uh, yeah. It was sort of a non-apology. Uh, and mm-hmm. wherein he came out as well to kind of deflect uh, or to kind of admit. It honestly depends on how it's interpreted. But anyway, it was not well received. And, uh, and as in response to that, Netflix uh, halted production of House of Cards uh, sixth season to see what they, how they were going to combat that. Originally, it was thrown around that he was not going to be included at all. And uh, in a statement that was released uh, on, on uh, Halloween, on October 31st, um, they uh, suspended, uh, according to, um, sorry, I'm just checking up names here, me and names, but uh, the. Um, I can jump on this. Essentially, yeah, you want to jump they, on that? All right, here we go. So, um, yeah, there was a, uh, a big domino effect after uh, the accusation against Kevin Spacey and his unfortunate response where uh, they just happened, so happened to be starting work on the new this sixth season of House of Cards this week. They immediately, uh, like immediately after all that happened, uh, Netflix said that they were uh, going to. Well, first of all, they they wanted to let everyone know that this was the final season that the show was essentially canceled afterwards. Then they said that they were having a meeting with everyone involved for, in production to discuss whether they wanted to proceed and also to see if there were any uh, problems that people in the regular cast and crew had had with Kevin Spacey over the years. And after that, they announced that the show was just canceled outright and there won't even be at sixth season anymore. That's um, crazy. So, yeah. yeah, it was really wild. Um, I had, like, just through my own, you know, frantic Googling uh, research sort of uncovered that apparently there had actually been a lot of complaints against Kevin Spacey from uh, basically any any man working on the crew of the show. Oh, he would sort of just openly proposition everyone. Um, there are a lot of like old Reddit, thre- Reddit threads of people talking about it. So yeah, it's not good. Um, no. And uh, <laughs> but but it is really. Um, I mean, it's a good thing, but it is a very uh, strange precedent now that like um, something because I mean it, it's 
uh, House of Cards is obviously a successful and awards-winning show, but beyond that, like it was the first original program that launched an entire platform. It's now like yeah, yeah, very much you so. know, the biggest, essentially the biggest broadcaster in the world. So um, for them to just like you know within forty-eight hours be willing to axe one of their flagship programs like that um, is 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 just crazy. Yeah, um, yeah. There's it's never really been anything like it before. It yeah, no, I think on a moral standpoint, like, I totally agree. Like, obviously, if he was a problem and that, that was, I mean, like, it, that they should shut it down. Um, it says a lot also that, like, this was a problem that wasn't addressed for six seasons until this point. Um, yeah. And, you know, I do wonder about motivations there. Um, if there's, like, an element to which the, um, I, well, I mean, like, we, we should clarify. I don't know the name. It's the production company that's shutting it all down. Like, they are a separate entity from Netflix. Netflix. Okay. Yeah wasn't directly involved so if complaints were registered if people were talking about what was going on behind the scenes they that was essentially the production company's issue not netflix so for netflix is getting involved now obviously but it is like like in this particular instance it's very clear even in his very awkward admission of guilt and uh you know deflecting apology that something was really going on here and this needs to be addressed but it is yeah. it is worrying to me on a certain level that like things move so quickly now that mm-hmm. i mean like mm-hmm. there was no court case involved here there like th- this w- this was just an accusation and then someone denying it and then within 48 hours like it, it, it's just considered fact and he's destroyed and the show's gone like in this case yeah. it's seen as far as I can tell, like that's completely justified, but like, it's just worrying that things can happen that quickly now. Yeah. So, well, aside from the president being set, I have a question. Mm -hmm. Why would they just completely cancel it outright? Instead of like just removing him visibly from the show, keep the show going and having like a focus on Claire Underwood, you know, to kind of highlight that there is a powerful woman in charge. And that was, I think what everyone was kind of excited about for this new season. I mean, absolutely. Like, that's certainly something that, uh, I mean, that, that certainly makes sense. And it's not to say that in the future that might not happen. I mean, like, no one really knows. This all just kind of happened in a flash and there weren't a lot of, like, uh, I can give you, like, my, like, I have several interpretations of what I think may have happened. Yeah. Um, my, not, my, like, my biggest one, my feeling is that uh, there was a problem with harassment on the set. And they okay. and they just sort of been like keeping it on the down low because Kevin Spacey yeah. was mm-hmm. his name and face is what launched that show. And well, yeah, you know, also an executive producer on the show. Absolutely. So like, I think that that like part of it is that like there was a problem and they don't want and, and like by canceling it they don't have to address that. Versus if the show came out and people came out and were complaining, everyone would look horrible. That would be part of it. My other guess would be that, like, these are very uh, intricately written shows, uh, This episodes of the series. So whatever they had planned um, would have taken months to write. And Mm -hmm. they were were meeting to start production as soon as this week. So, like, if they're going to do something radical, they they don't have the time or space or resources, do it right this second. And the other thing is that, like, you know, the way the show was going – uh, it was clear that his character had been revealed to be secretly gay and yeah, a bad yeah. and someone who abused his power, you know, sexually. So I would assume the final series included that character's downfall about the exact same things that Kevin Spacey is currently 
going through a downfall yeah, with. Yeah. And, you yeah. know, as fascinating as that would be, I can see why Netflix doesn't really want to put that out there. That wouldn't make anybody look no. good. So <laughs> my no. guess is just a lot of, <laughs> it's just a, a big complicated mess uh, that way. And I think it was just easier to cut ties with it. Um, it is entirely possible that they would pick it up. But I mean, like you said, Kevin Spacey, aside from being like, you know, essentially the protagonist of the series, also an executive producer, I don't know what the grounds is to work on it without him at this point contractually. Yeah. And I could mm. see that they, if they would want to go forward with the series, deliberately removing him from it entirely to distance himself from it, they probably wouldn't mm. want to be, they, then they probably also would want to make a series in which he would have to get paid as a producer involved with the show. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Were they talking about some kind of spinoff, like a Doug Stamper spinoff or a Claire Underwood spinoff? Like I've heard that sort of thing, but I mean, entirely, in theory, outside of the actual production of the show, like it, it, it felt like it was right, right. like essentially, okay. you know, blog fan fiction, that, 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 this right. sort of stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. So my my guess is, um, it's just it's just done, um, and uh, it, it's it, like it's unfortunate because it's a great show, but I also just but, like but it the, the reasons. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, but my my only thing about concern about the way Kevin Spacey handled this mm-hmm. is he basically deflected an accusation with his coming out of being gay, making it seem that everyone that's gay will just do this and that's just kind of an expected thing. Well, it okay, okay. I I I'm more concerned about the fact that it's it's not that he made it seem that everyone who's gay does this, it's the fact that he is adding more fuel to yeah. a conservative or anti-gay fire for people to say hey well kevin spacey came out as gay the same time he did he uh, supposedly did uh some horrible things to a 14 year old child and and like it's not that it's an actual equivalence it's the fact that it can be made into an actual equivalence yeah, you know what i'm saying true. so it's a little more than it's it's, it's deeper than that mm-hmm. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. it's like it's a horrible <laughs> set it's like president for for rap who is the person in uh, Discovery. on Discovery who made the accusation and for the entire LGBT community. Be- he was also in Rent, was that right? He was in Rent, yeah. He was uh, He was the, oh, what's, I forgot the main character's name. Yeah, but he, was he, lead, was, yeah. he was in Rent. He was yeah. in Rent on the stage show and in the movie. But yeah, so it's it's just an awful situation yeah. that was made worse by that statement. Mm-hmm. And it's almost as if there's like, he literally doesn't care that it happened. I don't know. Based, yeah, based on like based on his apology, it's just it's like it's more. There was not apology. He said, "Oh well, I am. I don't remember the incident. I, sus- but that's an awful thing for someone who is stupidly drunk to yeah. do." I'm, I'm paraphrasing, obviously, but mm. like just it just yeah, it's a. It was an odd apology. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It least. is, and I mean, like it's entirely. I mean, we're talking about something thirty years ago. It's entirely yeah, possible yeah. That he was drunk and didn't remember. But I mean, that's neither here nor there. Like the, it absolutely was uh, a horrible way of handling the situation to then try and yeah, turn yeah. it into yeah. um, a spin of it being his coming out story. And it worked, by the way. Like there were a lot of media yeah. outlets who ran with Kevin Spacey comes out as gay and downplayed the fact that it all stemmed from accusations of you know pedophilic abuse, which is you know yeah, I mean, not, I, I, which I, is awkward is it, and ugly and horrible. But um, is I mean, it clear what he's he was accused of. Propositioning a child, or what is he? Oh no, making sexual advances okay. towards a child. Like uh, he apparently, like I was following this. He was like, uh, he was at the, it was at the end of a party. He was really supposedly really drunk, and like 
trap basically trapped him so the kid couldn't get a so the, mm. I say the kid I'm sorry I should be using the name mm. so that uh An- is is Anthony Rap yes I forgot his name the QZ was being pushed against the wall um not being allowed to leave the room was thrown against the bed um a whole bunch of different scenarios that were set up um right. in various places I mean obviously we'll never know exactly what happened because we weren't there and supposedly nobody else was there yeah. so that's the other situation there but. Yeah, no, it was it was more than just it was it was actual sexual advances, mm-hmm. according to rap. That, that is very unfortunate. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I'm I'm glad he came. I'm glad he came forward because Kevin Spacey's a very powerful man in Hollywood, and I'm yeah. glad to see that people are starting to come forward against these people that have kind of sat behind the the mantle of fame and power, and actually being able to kind of get their na- their names and their stories out there. Yeah, absolutely, and it's uh, and it's a lot too. I mean, just this week, uh, just or just yesterday, rather, uh, uh, a bunch of accusations came out against Brett Ratner, um, yeah, yeah. filmmaker producer. Uh, and, it, and didn't Warner Brothers separate him separate themselves? Yeah, from like he. So Brett Ratner uh, was a director, made uh, like the Rush Hour movies and uh, X Men: The Lost Stand, um, and he had in recent years formed a production company called Rat Pack, which uh, um, unless you've been paying attention to like the logos in front of, is essentially involved with all your universal movies. Um, mm-hmm. uh, the, including justice league and all the Warner brother and all the, uh, DC comic book properties. So he's uh, like directly involved in essentially everything they do. And yeah, they, today, um, he uh, said that he's stepping away now. I mean, he's just saying he's stepping away. His company's obviously still tied with it. What that means is hard to say, but, um, it's, yeah, no, he, he was someone who I, um, aside from just like, finding him incredibly untalented um, and inexplicably successful uh, was someone who just anytime I heard him spoke, I just could tell that he was a, uh, <laughs> a, a really creepy, perverted individual. Um, he released yeah. a, a book that was all photos of, of ladies' butts a while ago and um, had a... Oh, um, yeah, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. His butt book. Yeah, his butt book and had a really, like, <laughs> and had a really disgusting interview on Howard Stern that um, immediately afterwards he had been planning to direct and produce that year's Academy Awards and then got fired, like, the next day for that. And he kind of disappeared for a while and I just uh, assumed that he was this kind of a sleazeball and then, yeah, this yeah. week a uh, story came out with uh, uh, six women telling stories, uh, all very high-profile uh, women in the industry as well, uh, Natasha... Natasha Hensky, who was in Species, and Olivia Munn from Attack of the Show, and uh, the most recent X Men movie, and a bunch of things, um, who all like put their name on it and everything. So it wasn't just anonymous sources. And uh, he, uh, yeah, so he's he's done now as well. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, Jeremy Piven had one this week. Uh, Andy Dick has been fired from two movies this month for sexual harassment. Um, a lot of a lot of it's coming out all at once. And it's, it's, I mean, it's it's. It- Hollywood's been kind of a closed sieve for a long time, so it's now the floodgates have opened and they're letting everything through. Yeah, yeah, exactly. and and it's great that it's happening, but like I said before, like in all these cases, it, it it's very justified, at least in that, like you know, um, mm-hmm. like journalists are going out and getting sources and and checking everything, but um, it does worry me at how quickly everything happens now, um, and. You know, as I said, like, in these cases, they certainly all seem guilty, but at the same time, like, no one's being charged. There's no law involved, which yeah, is set yeah. up exactly. for these sort of situations. And I just it's... do worry about where that can go, because it would be very, very easy for someone to take advantage of this current It moment. is yeah. kind of a wild west at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Because everyone's afraid of inaction at this point, which is not necessarily a bad thing, but exactly as you're saying, there's no law involved with this. There's so a lot, yeah. There's a, like Twitter's turning into a, a land, but of, hopefully, of, a prop law to get involved of uh, mob justice. Um, which yeah, like, mob justice entirely. Yeah, which like again, at the moment, I have no problem with anything that's happened because it certainly mm. seems like it's all deserved. It's just I don't like. Where, where, like what it what it's created the environment that it's created and I worry about where that's heading um, and I mean like and unfortunately it's one of those things where like I don't think anyone will consider it an issue until it is and someone gets falsely accused of something and is destroyed um, and yeah it's just I don't know we'll see where it goes it, it like it reminds me along with there was um, like it reminds me a lot of the like McCarthy uh, ism. Uh, scandal yeah. in the yeah. 50s in Hollywood where uh, you know it, that was a time but like there was a big communist community in Hollywood and uh, uh, the McCarthy Commission was hired to try and suss out and stop the communists within Hollywood and they found like groups of writers and everyone everyone got blacklisted and couldn't and couldn't work and we now looking back on that consider that a horrible injustice um, that these people were prevented from working like it was the worst thing they could do and now, um, again, Harvey Weinstein and Brett Ratner and, and Kevin Spacey are different scenarios because they actually, yeah. you know, committed crimes. But now, like, it is possible that if you say the wrong thing, you will no longer be allowed to work. And that's just standard. And we just accept that. And I just worry about where that's going. Yeah. Well, I mean, hopefully uh, Hollywood will actually take note from previous instances yeah. uh, mm. of this sort of mob mentality that had been going along and actually do the, start doing this the right way but it's kind of seeming that it's getting a little more mm. um reactionary mm-hmm. yeah and right I now mean, that's I, fine because what we're talking yeah because, exactly. because it's also like going after people who it's have fine used, well well it's also going after people who have used their position of power to avoid yeah. being exactly. punished for things as well so it's fair that they be targeted from a but similar my, outside, my, my outside of is, the system source so far it just seems that it's not anyone uh that s- it has any inkling of seeming innocence in it yeah. like there's <laughs> multiple people coming a- out against the uh the uh these act these uh, ac- these accused and mm. it's a little it's a little less it's not easy to be sympathetic towards them let's just put it yeah. that way i mean when you see um who the next person would be i didn't think it would be Brett Ratner, I was thinking something would because there's so much like rumor about what Michael Bay gets up to. I was yeah, thinking I th- something I, about him. I think he's probably the next one on the chopping block. Um, yeah, Brett Ratner. I just I just had a I don't know I don't I just have had a feeling for years that this guy was was up to no good, and I was glad to see him go down. Oh. I do feel like Mike. Yeah, Michael Bay has definitely uh, dodged his share of controversy in this regard, and uh, that I feel like if, if, if he. I feel like he's probably surrendered himself by a very serious legal team at this point because I'm sure it's only a right, right. time. Yeah. Um, but uh, so, yeah. Anyway, what does this mean for the? Yeah. <laughs> so what's this mean for the Hugh Hefner biopic then? Oh yeah, no, that's done. Yeah, Brett Ratner was going to make a Hugh Hefner <laughs> biopic, and, Play, and Playboy have decided to distance himself from it, which I find hilarious. Good. Because, you know. Yeah, that's well, amazing. Well, and also like, well, also like, it was a movie that was about you know. Uh, yeah. A, a guy that was taking advantage of women anyway that was going to be presented in yeah. a heroic context. So the fact that even Playboy is like, well, we can't do this anymore. I think it says a lot about that, <laughs> Brett Ratner. That, uh, well, that and it speaks volumes about where the industry wants to take themselves. Yeah. Like they, they've had so much 
controversy with so many different aspects of of society right now. So it's mm-hmm. it's good that at least one thing is getting a little more traction now we can work on some of the other things yeah absolutely absolutely well i mean it feels like at the very beginning of stuff of i I don't think this is over by any stretch um it's been like a particularly active period because this is all pretty well a matter of like three weeks that everything we've just discussed has happened um and i'm sure things will get more spread out now but i don't see it stopping the sexual harassment thing will keep going but what's more um and the, and the Kevin Spacey story kind of slowly pushed in this direction, but what's what's a, a bigger issue than he's discussed is there has been um, issues with uh, pedophilia in uh, Hollywood for a long time. And uh, Oh, yeah. Really? Yeah, and... Uh, well, you hear and, a lot of child actors who've come forth and said so many... T- had so many tales to tell about by, uh, about uh, that sort of thing happening in Hollywood. Yeah, ch- so yeah there's some, there's some, some do, like Corey Feldman has talked platform. about it for a long time, but has been unable to oh, yeah. name his his, uh, his his predators because of uh, uh, libel laws and statutes of limitations that have expired. And also, I mean, you just look at the like sheer volume of child stars uh, who have uh, killed themselves or been destroyed. Um, exactly. And there's not, it's not a coincidence. Um, and I like, and I, I think, uh, like, unfortunately, I think a lot of the people involved in that particular issue aren't huge success stories within the industry. I think there's a lot of like, you know, photographers, agents and that sort of thing, but there right. are, and Feldman and, Fel, and Feldman and Corey Feldman has specifically for several years talked about, um, there being some fairly high level, high, high level, uh, producers involved in this sort of thing that he's uh, yeah tried to name but couldn't, and now he's in kind of a odd position where people are now asking him to, you know, people are now digging up all these old clips and everything that's been saying for years and asking him to name things, and he is currently trying to raise uh, ten million dollars so that he can make a movie about it, and that's the context with which he wants to name names. Um, and oh, hey, you know, weird. that's fine. He can uh, do what he wants. It is like weird that. <laughs> that he wants to like gather that much money and sit on this information until the film comes out. It seems like he's, you know, kind of taking advantage of the situation in a strange way. A little bit, yeah. But, um... Well, maybe he feels they owe him. I mean... I'm sure he does, but at the same time, it's like he spent a long time saying he only couldn't name names because of legal repercussions. Now it's clear he can, and now he wants $10 million before he's going to do it. Mm -hmm. So, now at the same time, Curry Film has been through a lot. And yeah. I can't expect him to act rationally in this particular situation. But um, I do feel like that is, whether it's through him or through someone else, that is something that's definitely uh, going to happen uh, too. Um, and I hope sooner rather than later. Um, but uh, but yeah, so yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a big load of Hollywood news that's been happening lately. Um. Yeah. So you've got. So let's keep this going. You have some yeah. other Hollywood news for us. Some, I do. some happier notes. Happier yeah, this, notes. This stuff is right. far less salacious. Yes. Yay. Um, so. Um, <laughs> yeah. Awkwardly moving on. Uh, so yeah, the first is the. Uh, uh, I know, right? <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. So uh, Kathleen Kennedy, um, who's in charge of the Star Star Wars universe right now, uh, she did an interview this week where she said that they're currently uh, her along with her uh, brain trust of. Uh, staff, writers, and producers are planning the next full decade of Star Wars movies. The next 10 Star Wars movies. The next 10 years of Star Wars movies. Years worth of Star Wars movies. Yeah, and they're saying... Which will be at least 10 Star Wars movies. Exactly. And she's saying that um, they actually could, because this... uh, the new trilogy of films that they're currently in the midst of is proving to be so successful. Obviously, 
they're like uh, pursuing possibly uh, continuing the stories of characters within that universe. Um, very careful not to note which ones, given that, you know, some may die. Um, and then also looking into bring in filmmakers to explore, unexplore, uh, to, to look into on previously unexplored pockets of the Star Wars universe, um, which would be exciting right after the fact to keep, you know, firing directors for having points of view that are too strong for their, yeah. uh, for their image of the Star Wars universe. But um, it's just, yeah, it's just interesting that, um, you know, after the, 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 after what the Marvel Cinematic Universe has become, that now people that own franchises think 10 years in advance like that. It's kind of scary. Um, and well, I mean, also, that's a Marvel thing, so it makes sense, right? Well, it, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. They're definitely going from that playbook within the Star Wars universe, but yeah, it's just crazy to think that, yeah, there's there are 10 movies ahead of us. Um, I mean, I guess people won't ever get tired of Star Wars, but we'll see. Oh, they will. Yeah. They will. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, oh, but they'll come back to it. Like, look at the prequels, right? Episode one, two, and three. People got a little bit of like turned off during those that period but they came right back to it as soon as somebody they were interested in I mean if they had if the prequel was one a year and they were every year for like since 95 to 2005 I think people would be a little bit more worn out on Star Wars by the time the new ones came out I don't know man did you see those prequels they were really bad they were really bad <laughs> they were really bad and that did damage the reputation but I you're like I I don't think you're wrong in that like part of the reason people got so excited about the force awakens is that no one thought there were going to be more star wars movies yeah, yeah. and it's yeah. sort of like even now like we're really uh, there's only been two like the novelty value is still fresh um i don't know how long that's going to last it could last forever but uh certainly uh, kathleen kennedy and disney are acting like it will but we'll see oh, well. <laughs> yeah um next up uh that in similar star wars news it's been reported uh through people that are involved that uh I, apparently, uh, Ron Howard reshot a full eighty percent of the Han Solo movie, and the budget—that's a lot of the movie. That's it is, and as a result, the budget of the movie was doubled um, because of oh. all the work they had to do with it. Yeah. So now, granted, um, like these Star Wars movies make at least a billion dollars, so they're yeah, going to do it'll okay. Make his money back. But it's just crazy to think, like, how far off the mark really were uh, Chris Miller and Phil Lord that they needed to double the budget and reshoot the entire thing to get Han Solo right. It's, that whole thing's very strange. Well, I mean, to be fair, uh, Lord and Miller are much more dynamic in the way they make movies compared to Ron Howard. Ron Howard's a very safe director. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And it was, like, a tonal issue that they've discussed, but I just, it's just amazing to me that they had to do, they had done that much that like things that they really felt things were that wrong. And Hey, you know, I could be wrong. Maybe someday we'll see the footage and we'll be like, good Lord. Thank God. They never made that Han Solo movie, but it just, it boggles the mind. It truly does. Um, next up, uh, Christoph Waltz, uh, who played Blofeld in the last James Bond film, mm -hmm. uh, has said mm -hmm. that he will not be returning for the next Bond movie. Um, that they, that in fact, if Blofeld is to return, the plan is to recast him as a different actor in accordance with Blofeld tradition that he's never been played by the same actor twice. Um, that makes no sense. It is bizarre. It is what they've done so far. It I is mean, built into didn't... the, they, they have built into the mythology that Blofeld gets plastic surgery all the time to look different. Um, but so I, mean, I guess the original series that. was more the, well, the original like Bond films was more just, it was cheaper to get random actors to do it and no one really cared. Oh yeah, and there was no plan. Um, yeah. But like, uh, let's do another one with Blofeld. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I also can't help but wonder if, like, him even saying this is a bit of a spoiler. If the plan for the next movie was to have a villain who was distinctly not Blofeld and revealed that he was in fact Blofeld, 
but that's ruined now. Um, yeah. But anyway, I just, I love that in this new grounded James Bond universe that's distancing itself from the silliness of the past, they still want to have different actors play Blofeld every time. But hey, what can it you makes, do? If, if, that's the, if they have Blofeld in and it's not Christoph Waltz, I'll be just weirded out because if unless it looks really similar to Christoph Waltz, mm-hmm. if he looks completely different, I'm going to be like, plastic surgery doesn't work like that. It doesn't make you grow another foot taller or get mm-hmm. more burly. That, that's not how it works. It does in the Bond universe, though. Okay, apparently. fair enough. Yeah. Uh, next up, uh, Konomi have announced plans that they're going to adapt Contra into both a live-action movie <laughs> and a TV series okay. together. Okay. Yeah, that's going to be a thing. Um, gonna that's be t- so exciting. <laughs> I just, I like, does Contra even have a narrative at all? Yeah, there's aliens coming attacking Earth, and you're a badass. And you're it's just two guys with guns, right? Yeah, I don't fighting aliens. Yeah. yeah, it's very confusing. But that's happening. I don't know how they. A movie makes sense. A TV series. Well, I mean, it's like the Netflix thing, right? Like, yeah. You know, Castlevania existed. They just kind of make. Yeah, but some... at least there was a story to launch from. I mean, uh... maybe they didn't follow it as closely as they could have followed it. But like Contra, there's no. Yeah. There, there's the story nothing. is there's aliens. You need to kill them. Let's go. There's I mean, yep. it's gonna feel like any other alien movie. For sure, and there's nothing. And also to do both, that's crazy. Like pick one. Yeah. yeah. Start just with pick one. one. Yeah. That, but the TV show and a movie, anyway. So we get to look forward to that. And, um, uh, yeah, and then just two more, and then we'll be done with all this. Uh, the the <laughs> next one is that uh, uh, Netflix has announced that uh, Vincent D'Onofrio will be back as Kingpin in season three of Daredevil. And more great. excitingly, for my, which is great, but more excitingly from my perspective is apparently the plan is to adapt uh, Frank Miller's Daredevil Born Again storyline, which is uh, the best Daredevil story. And uh, he actually wrote it, uh, simultaneously with The Dark Knight Returns, and it's a very similar uh, complete deconstruction of uh, the character and the nature of superhero storytelling. Um, mm-hmm. And it's very bleak and very twisted, and I really hope that that, that is what they're planning on doing, because I would love to see it. I would have preferred I, to be a movie, but I'll take that. it. I'll take it. Um, yeah. yeah. But that's exciting, because season two of Daredevil yeah. was not <clears> as great as season one. Um, it was okay. It was a good half. Like, the first half was good, then it got boring. I, yeah, I don't think they've I'm ever... Just... Yeah, go ahead. Yellow. Hello? Okay. Yeah, we hear yeah, you. Yeah, sorry. No, we you stopped, we stopped hearing you. <laughs> uh, okay, all right, I'm here. Um, yeah, no, I, um, I found that all the Marvel Netflix shows um, don't really work for their entirety. Uh, they... They tend to be good bits, um, but they tend to be like about ninety minutes yeah. worth of story stretched out to ten episodes, and I get sick and tired of that. Um, and the fact that if they're they made taking... it a six, if they made it six episodes, I think it'd be much like tighter season. But mm-hmm. they try to do this twelve thing, and I think it never lasts that long. They don't quite have the money to do what they want to do for that long, and I mean, I'm certain it's just because you know they make x number of episodes they get x number of views and that works better for their bottom line but it frustrates me um anywho yeah. one last thing and that is um uh dc is going to make a deathstroke movie which i don't love because sure. i don't get it i guess it's just yeah. because deathstroke is as close as they have to deadpool um but any it, because de- and the only reason that's true is because deadpool was a parody of deathstroke but anywho, yeah. the one good news about that is that they've, uh, they're have they apparently going to hire uh, Gareth Evans, who directed the Raid movies, uh, to make okay, it. Okay, sure. 
And I could go for that just because he's um, like easily the most uh, talented and exciting action movie yeah. director of the last decade. And if he actually gets to cut loose and gets a decent budget on that, I it would be incredible. So now, now is it um, is it going to be Will Smith playing Deathstroke? Um, no, no, that was Deadshot. That's that was Deadshot character. It is. It is. Yeah. I mean, like even though they, they look are very similar, they are, and they're and and they're both mercenaries. Um, and they both and, had red and white suits, sort of? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Uh, they're, yeah, very similar enough that I can see why you make that mistake. Uh, similar enough that I don't <laughs> understand why they're both, both need a movie. But uh, it's <laughs> happening. Um, and my only hope is that, uh, that, that Gareth Evans will at least be able to do some fantastic action. And presumably we'll get to do it R-rated, mm. um, since that's a thing now. So I go yeah. for that, um, even though that movie is entirely unnecessary simply because uh, it's the third character that's exactly the same. Uh, yep. Yeah, very much so. Anyway, that's that. And that's movie news. Yay! Hey, Let's well. take a quick break and we'll be right back. Sounds good. Man, I wish I could get new comics every month, but I'm broke and oddly always $5 short. Lame. Wait, five bucks short, you say? Well, I've got something special for you. What the hell was that? It's me, the discount ghost of Coupons Pass. Are you scared? What the f- Use the code CGMEG in all caps, all one word, to get $5 off your next comic bento subscription. So wait, if I use the code CGMEG all in caps, all one word, I get $5 off my next comic bento? Yes, use the code CGMEG in all caps, all one word, and get $5 off your next comic bento. A whole five dollars, eh? Now that's scary. The Pixels and Ink podcast is brought to you by Buns, your city network. Buns connects you to the people in your neighborhood to help you find the things you need to fuel your real life. Swap things you already have to get items you need. You can also find jobs that pay the bills, homes for rent, advice, and a place to talk about your city. Buns is available online at buns.com and on your phones via the Apple App Store and Google Play Store. Thank you, Buns Podcast Network and Comic Bento. So, Phil, tell us about the movies you saw this week. Yeah, so the big one I saw this week was Thor Ragnarok. Um, mm. And uh, as, you know, you guys know, I do enjoy the Marvel movies. Um, yeah. Far more than I do. But yes, you do, you yes. Do. A lot of people have gotten tired with them. Anyway. I'm still on board. I'm impressed by the, the fact that they've continued this long. I love the universe they build, blah, blah, blah. However, the thing is, um, of, of the Marvel movies, uh Far and away, my least favorite have been the Thor movies. I never loved yeah. Thor as a character back in the comic book days. Um, I find, yeah, as a movie, it's tricky because he has that Superman problem of being so powerful that no one's really threatening to him. And on, yeah. and then on top of that, um, you know, the mythology is, is very convoluted and uh, rooted in, you know, deep cut uh, fantasy mythology along with a very stilted formal dialogue that... They tried to get away with with like campy humor, but I've never found that quite worked. But anyway, the reason I say all that is to say this: uh, the, the new Thor movie is fantastic and a vast improvement on everything that was wrong with the old Thor movies. Um, even though it's got its own problems. So anyway, uh, the so the, I mean the big issue with it is that you can tell it, it basically is like watching two Thor movies crammed together. 
One of which is uh, all is basically just designed to clear up all the dangling threads left over from the last two Thor movies, uh, and the other one is a new wacky Thor adventure that basically feels like um, it's taking place in a corner of the Guardians of the Galaxy universe, and that one's far better. So it starts um, with the wrapping up the old uh, Thor storyline. Um, if you recall. Uh, uh, Tom Hiddleston's Loki had possessed uh, Anthony Hopkins' Odin, so after Thor uh, tears the thorns off a demon, because that's what you do, he returns back to Asgard and uh, and, and lo- to find Loki uh, basking as Odin and putting on a uh, stage show in which uh, Loki is, is rewritten as the hero of Asgard, um, and is uh, Loki's also played by Matt Damon for inexplicable reasons in this mm-hmm. stage production, and then Thor uh, finally shuts down, fi- finally uh, makes Loki, reveals the true self, they go to find the real Anthony Hopkins Odin, who then reveals that they've actually had a sister all these years, who's the goddess of death, she's played by Kate Blanchett, she then shows up immediately on cue, destroys Thor's hammer, and takes over Asgard, and sends Thor and Loki plummeting into space. They end up on a trash planet that's run by Jeff Goldblum's The Grandmaster, and he is friggin' fantastic in the movie. Um, he basically runs it in gladiator- a, a game of gladiatorial combat to keep all his people happy, um, and tells Thor that he is a prisoner unless he uh, beats the Grand Champion, who is the Hulk, um, which happens about 45 minutes into the movie, and would have been such a great surprise to everyone to not know that the Hulk was going to be in it since the whole script was written, so it would be a surprise. But um, Marvel and their infinite wisdom, and as Hulk would be in this movie before we even knew the title, so unfortunately that's spoiled. He's in many of the posters too, isn't he? Oh yeah. No, it's not like, uh, in all the trailers, like it's not a surprise. They're leaning into the fact that Hulk's in the movie. It's just weird that the script has been written in such a way that's supposed to be a pleasant surprise when Hulk shows up, um, and they spoiled that. But anywho, after that it becomes a wacky Thor and Hulk uh, adventure, um, and, uh, uh, to get, to get off the alien planet, which is fantastic. And then they end up back in Asgard to fix all that up, which is not as great. So it's, it is a, a kind of lumpy movie. And then, like I said, it feels like two and one, but at the same time, uh, this one was directed by Taika Watiti, who did, uh, the fantastic vampire comedy, what we do in the shadows. Oh, that's kind of neat. And he's got a really great comedic tone of taking these, like, big fantastical things and finding, like, odd, small, mundane humor in it. So that's what yeah, the, that's yeah. very much the tone of this movie. Um, oh, which really amazing. Work, which, yeah, really works to, like, humanize Thor and bring him down. Um, Ditto the Hulk. Like, they are the two most ridiculous characters of the core Avengers group. Um, and this sort of, like, finds ways through humor to make them feel more fallible and more human. The relationship together is really fun. They, uh, the Hulk, when he is in full Hulk mode, because as part of the plot, um, Bruce Banner's been trapped in the Hulk, uh, for, uh, months at this point. And, uh, Mm -hmm. so he starts talk. so the Hulk has developed speech because the Hulk's existed so long, um, which is very fun. And they have a very amusing sort of love-hate brother-sibling relationship. Uh, and yeah, like I said, Jeff Goldblum is basically just allowed to be Jeff Goldblum in space and he steals the show so dramatically that I really, really hope they've got him locked up for further movies and have further plans for him because he's just fantastic. Um, and it's, it's definitely, I would say it's definitely the funniest Marvel movie, um, based on the stretches that work. The new characters are all, uh, super entertaining and fit in well. And, um, in accordance with a lot of complaints people have, have had about the Marvel movies, which is that essentially... Um, all of them have to hit reset by the end and all the characters have to be alive. Some pretty drastic changes happen and uh, in this one that are definitely permanent. So that's both a good that both makes this more more compelling and you know 
sets up further it sets up the fact that this can happen in in further movies in this particular phase of the marvel movies which is nice um and uh also the movie just has a really cool sort of uh uh, acid-infused neon fantasy style to it that looks really great. The action scenes are beautifully done. Uh, several of them are scored to The Immigrant Song by Led Zeppelin, um, which was also on the trailer. My guess is because uh, Led Zeppelin notoriously charge way too much to use music in their movies if they allow to use their music in movies if they allow it at all. So my guess is that Disney spent so much on the, getting The Immigrant Song. They were like, You're gonna, we're going to put that in the trailer and you're going to use it twice. So they do, um, <laughs> and it works um, pretty well. Um, and yeah, like like I said, it, it is a little overstuffed because um, I didn't even mention Idris Elba and Tom Hiddleston, who have major roles. They're all in there too. Oh yeah, along with new characters that I also didn't mention. Um, it does a surprisingly good job juggling them, if only because Taika Waititi is both an actor and someone who has previously only worked in character-driven movies, so he knows how to sort of make economy make a good economy with the screen time and uh make sure that everyone has some sort of you know goofy neurotic quality to them um but it yeah so i think it's it's easily the best thor movie it's possibly the funniest marvel movie it is still it is still a bit of a mess by virtue of the sort of hole they dug themselves in with previous thor movies but at the same time this was done so well that I'd actually be intrigued to see where they take this in the, in the future. And it was also nice to see mm-hmm. that they're willing to make uh, big sweeping things happen that cause permanent rifts and changes um, in That's kind of this That's universe exciting. they built. And uh, yeah, I um, when it was announced, I couldn't have been less excited about this. I have to admit, once Taika Waititi was hired and I saw bits and pieces of what he'd done with it, I got increasingly excited. And the movie itself, I think, was far better than it had any right to be. And uh, I really recommend it. So, yay, good things. Awesome. Yay. Yeah. Yay, that's exciting. Yeah, totally. And so we can see your review already on the site. Uh, it went up yesterday. So that would be, so if you want to check that out, you can get the full blow by blow. Um, yeah. And you also saw another movie that came out this week. I did, yeah. There's another good one that I wanted to draw people's attention towards. A smaller one called uh, The Killing of the of, uh, Sacred Deer. I saw it. Now you talked about this during, yeah, you talked about this during your rundown, and you had a lot of really good things to say about it. I did, I did, I really like it a lot. It's by a Greek director named Yorgos Lanthimos, who did the movie The Lobster with Colin Farrell, that's currently on Netflix, and I really recommend people check it out. Um, He has, uh, he's, he he reminds me, even though uh, Lanthimos's work is very distinct to himself, he kind of reminds me of David Lynch a little bit, in that he's uh, kind of a pop surrealist, like. The stuff is very much is very surreal and very arty, but it's also very fun and entertaining and accessible. I describe this as most accessible movie um, that he's made, but it, that's only by like his standards, not by normal movie standards. It's kind of a horror movie if you were to put any genre on it. Uh, Colin Farrell stars in this again. He plays a wealthy surgeon uh, who's married to Nicole Kidman, and they have two kids and a big like mansion that they live in. And but he also has this strange relationship, strange relationship with a teen boy played by an actor whose name I'm double checking now. Uh, yeah, uh, sorry, Barry uh, Barry Ke- Barry Keegan. Uh, he was actually in uh, Chris Nolan's Dunkirk in the summer. Uh, he played the kid who was on the boat helping out uh, who meets an unfortunate fate. Um, spoiler. Anywho, 
Uh, he's in this as well, and he's, yeah, so anyway, so Colin Farrell has this strange relationship with this boy played by Barry Keegan. You're not quite sure what it is at first. Eventually it becomes clear that uh, Colin Farrell had accidentally killed the boy's father in surgery years ago and was kind of out of guilt becoming a de facto father figure. But Barry Keegan gets really mm-hmm. creepy about it, gets too close, and Colin Farrell tries to put him away, at which point Barry, Ke- Barry uh, Keegan shows up and says that he has, uh, he's put a curse on Colin Farrell's family, that his children will become sick and they will both die within a set time period unless Colin Farrell uh, kills one of them himself to teach him a lesson. Um, sure enough, the kids get sick. It's unclear how it happened. Um, it's unclear, uh, but it, 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 it's unclear if like this kid has magic powers or what's going on, but it did happen and sort of a slow burnout to this horrible fate. It's very creepy. It's very unsettling. It's also, and this is going to be hard to comprehend me saying this, but it's also actually really funny. Um, Jorgos Lanthimos has a very twisted, very dark, deadpan sense of humor where everyone is just way too awkward and, and speak almost like, it's almost like you're watching like aliens having watched humans and then trying to recreate what they think humans act like. Um, so it's it's very stylized, but yeah, very funny, very dark, very disturbing, quite creepy. Um, and I okay. think, yeah, if you if you like David Lynch movies, if you have a taste for something that's a little like off kilter while still within some sort of re- recognizable genre structure, I think this is a really great film worth seeking out. It's, uh, yeah, it's definitely like, it's definitely like uh, very unsettling in a way that's hard to shake, but at the same time is very fun to watch in a perverse manner. Yorgos uh, Lanthimos has a very like interesting visual style and all that sort of thing. So I, yeah, I really recommend it for people that like sort of, uh, are like art horror movies that sort of walk a line between the art house and horror films. This is a really great one, and I hope people check it out if they feel like being bummed out and laughing about it. Oh, that sounds great, and it's, <laughs> yeah. it's a good timing too because of uh, there's a lot of resurgence of this sort of art house horror, art house like David Lynchian style kind of thing that's coming out, mm-hmm. um, like Mother, for example. And uh, yeah. like, again, we had a remake of uh, Blade Runner and uh, yeah. a, re- a Netflix series of um, what's it called? Stranger Things? No, not Stranger Things. What am I thinking of? Well, um, Twin Peaks came back. It wasn't Twin Peaks. Oh, Twin Thank Peaks. You. That was, yeah. That, yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, yeah. That was what was that? What was that? That was Twin Peaks: The Return. It was uh, called Showtime. Yes, Showtime. Yeah, yeah. yeah but anyway, it was good Showtime. timing on that. Yeah, totally. I, I think, yeah, definitely if you enjoy those things that uh, Lisa just mentioned, um, they're definitely with you. And uh, this is something else you'll enjoy, too. Awesome. Cool. Yeah. Um, so let's get into some gaming stuff since we're here. Um, Absolutely. Phil, yes. do you want to, you want to start us off since you, you're all warmed up? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you played, um, Mario Odyssey for us. I did. I did. Uh, yeah. Uh, that obviously came out last week, but we didn't do a yeah. podcast. So we I'm didn't, happy yeah, to talk about it to now. Talk about it. Uh, yeah. I um, I do. I was formerly known as the Nintendo nerd on the site until I decided not to do that. And other people started writing about Nintendo as well. And um, then and people have been fighting for your spot for quite some time. Exactly. Um, but I still <laughs> do deeply adore uh, Nintendo and in particular Mario. Um, I just, uh, I don't even know if I can explain why there's just something like so intuitive about it. And I love how the designers have managed to take something that essentially just started as this like poorly, poorly eight bit drawn guy in overalls hitting turtles yeah. into this 
broad, vast universe. Um, so yeah, this is Mario Odyssey is the new one for the Switch, um, and it is it it it's a, a love letter to everything that Mario's done before, and also sort of a gentle push into new directions with um, a system that can do things that previous Nintendo systems couldn't. So, I mean, like, plot-wise, there's not really much to discuss. You're going to be shocked to hear this. Uh, Bowser kidnaps Princess Peach again, and Mara's got to go get her. What? Uh, I know. Um, this time, though, Holy he does, He does like... so new. I know, it's crazy. But this time, Bowser does yeah. at least, like, do it on the uh, under the guys that he's marrying Peach, so I guess it's, like, moderately less rapey than previous renditions of the story have been, which is nice. Um, but, anywho... Well, that's good. Yeah! So, anywho, Mario yeah. uh, befriends <laughs> a sentient hat called Cappy to help him on this adventure. Um, and then, yeah, you just go from world to world as per usual. If, like it, like I said, the game does all, uh, finds ways to sort of throw back to almost every... Uh, outing Mario's had so far but if there's one like sort of model that they've taken then it's Mario 64 and that each world is sort of like a big open space with no particular guideposts of how and when you complete the tasks within it um and what I mm-hmm. what, what impressed me with that is that I was worried when I looked at just footage of people playing it that um it would you'd start to feel a bit lost because Mario to me like what I love about it is is it, it sort of is the Mickey Mouse of gaming in that everything is very intuitive and everything you can, anyone certain can sort of pick up a Mario game and figure it out. And somehow it has that feeling where even though you're, you know, using the hat to possess like Bullet Bill or giant Tyrannosaurus Rexes, it's always oddly clear what's happening, no matter how, like it shouldn't be clear that you have to possess a T-Rex and get that to pull a giant chain and knock over a mountain and yet when you're in it, you're like, well, what else would I do? Obviously, this is the only possible solution. <laughs> um, and yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, the puzzles and the platforming, it's all sort of very beautifully implemented. There are a lot of interesting, fun, and uh, nostalgic Easter eggs. Like, there are 2D portions where you go back to the original 8-bit Mario uh, graphics and design, but you do so sort of on the side of some sort of mountain or landscape, and then... Uh, as you're playing that, the camera will shift, so sometimes your character's upside down and you're playing with physics that are jumping between two areas. Just very little, like, beautiful little touches like that. Um, you know, there's a lot of different costumes, different areas. And it, it Essentially, I, it, I, I just think it's a very beautiful um, sort of encapsulation of everything that's made this series so enduring. Um, it's gorgeously designed. It's... It... it, it the the story it's like if you were gonna rush through the game you could probably do so somewhere in the ten to fifteen hour range in terms of like just be, getting through all the worlds and completing all the bosses in the story but then the exploration and sort of uncovering hidden areas and and different moons to build up that could I mean I'm I'm still doing lots of that it's been several weeks now I'm sure I'll still right, be doing right. it several months from now it's a massive game if you choose it to be or it can be a very simple and direct game if that's what you want it's just it, it's amazing that it can feel so free and yet so focused at the same time that it can do so many things that have, have ne- that do, do things that have never been done in this game before and yet still feel distinctly like a game that's template was modeled in 1985 it's um it, yeah, it, you, it uses every mode of control you want. You can play it with motion controls, and that's very satisfying. You can play it on the go on the Switch as a tablet, and that works just as well. It is just, yeah, in, in as much as Mario games tend to represent what their system's capable of, the Switch is this bizarre 
portable console do anything machine and the game feels very much like an all things to all mario fan and Mm -hmm. it's you know a crowd pleaser while still being kind of beautiful and off kilter and i just think it's an incredible accomplishment and easily the best uh thing um, nintendo's done with mario since mario galaxy which was in its own way kind of a groundbreaking uh work of game design and it yeah i think it's amazing for what it's trying to do and also just shows between this and what they did with zelda and breath of the wild how much nintendo is willing to experiment with their core properties in this new generation um to create completely different experiences while still providing everything that you stick around with nintendo for and uh i was deeply impressed they've always been very good with that sort of thing like they They know their audience and they know what people are coming they have been but there were definitely times in the uh in the wii u generation where you were like where you did start to where things did feel a little repetitive and you started to wonder what the hell they were planning on doing um so it's nice to see them back at the forefront again um it's already been a massive uh hit um it's completely deserved and uh i uh yeah, the only thing that makes me sad is that there probably won't be another big Mario game this generation, and Lord knows how long. No problem. They, the yeah. they usually do one per generation. Although the, the Mario Galaxy, Mario Galaxy Two were soon after each other. So maybe. that's true. They did crank out a Mario Galaxy Two, and this thing's selling so well, they'd be stupid not to do a Mario Odyssey Two, or at least some like DLC. Le- yeah, extra at least worlds. something. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they do that because it's sort of. It, each world is so distinct. It would be so easy now to do a DLC, just get an extra, you know, planet to explore, a little extra like boss and story. It wouldn't surprise me if they did that, and mm-hmm. I'd welcome it. So, anywho, I think as far as Mario games go, is a, a triumph of uh, a magical adventure of an Italian stereotype beating up a lizard man. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, awesome, Phil. So great. I'm actually going to jump in on you uh, on the uh, Nintendo thing because mm-hmm. uh, I picked up a, a kind of an early look at, uh, well, like, uh, like, uh, what was it, a month or so ago? Uh, like Nintendo announced. Pardon? A week ago they announced? It was really close. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it was, the release was so close to the announcement. You're right. Mm-hmm. So uh, Nintendo announced uh, an Animal Crossing mobile game. That, oh, right. How uh, was that? Has- Okay, so I've, uh, it's not available here in Canada yet. It's going to be coming out, I believe, in some po- uh, sometime in November. Yeah, yeah. And um, so, but it is released in Australia, which is great news for Android users and uh, uh, iPhone users can as well through the iPhone store do some back routes that you can do it. But anyway, I picked up a I picked up a version of it, and uh, so I've been playing it, and it is um, it's a, it's 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 a light, it's Animal Crossing light. So uh, and it plays like a mobile game. It is a thing that you can pick up and put down. Um, so essentially, it's you're you're camping and you're charged with uh, creating a lovely campsite where all the animal friends in the, who are coming to the area are going to come and visit you. So you make friends with animals, um, and you make a really cool campsite by building things and finding things to make things and making friends who give you things to make things. Uh, it's a n- not a huge game. Like there's only a few areas that you can explore, and uh, there is a heavy emphasis. Uh, it's it's not a super um, microtransaction uh, or you know paid content kind of 
deal to it. Like everything you can get, you can get for like by playing the game, which is pretty okay. Um, there's some cosmetic things that you can buy. And of course you can buy extra things that'll get you extra things to ha- make faster, just like any other mobile game. Right. Um, it is a little light. It is a little repetitive. Like some of the characters say the same thing. Like you'll have a one character who is, has a sporty affinity and then you'll find another one later on down the road as you've unlocked them. And they say basically the same line. So that part gets a little bit repetitive. Um, but it's, you know, it's a, it's a mobile game. You pick it up, you put it down, you play it like for 20, you can play it for hours if you really, really want to sit there and grind finding things. But like, I, why is <laughs> the kind of thing? Like, why would you do that? But um, yeah, no, it's, it's fun for what it is. That's what I'd say. And it's cute. It looks really pretty. It runs really well. Um, even, well, I, I found a few little buggy things, but that could also be the version I'm playing. Mm-hmm. So we'll have to wait for the full release before I can say that sort of thing. But totally recommend it. Why not? It's a a free to play kind of game. So, and it's cute and it's adorable and it's uh it's it's an Animal Crossing game. So, highly recommend All right. it. All right, that's good. Okay. Yeah, I'm glad to hear that because um yeah, other than Pokemon Go, uh they have mm. Nintendo's has kind of struggled with their attempts to crack the mobile mobile, mobile market. Um certainly that Mario I mean, they did, they Mario Jump, whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, that one did really. Mario wasn't it Mario, Mario Run? Run. Mario yeah, Run. Yeah. yeah, that did pretty well. But it that was did, that was it not did free. Well, it did well, but it was kind of disappointing relative to yeah, yeah. You know, and like, it was a paid game too, so absolutely. a lot of people were more disappointed over the fact that you had to actually pay for it. True. People like free yeah. stuff. Exactly. Well, I mean, like the free to play model is. Like all the the major mobile titles that are coming uh, to the North America from like uh, Japan, where they have mo- they have and and uh, basically uh, from um, Asia, where they have actually refined the whole uh, mobile model because so many of the companies are coming out from out of there and they've worked hard on the the data and all, and what works and what doesn't yeah. work. And they had a jump the start on the market is something too. That Oh, well, oh yeah, exactly. So. Yeah. And the fact that uh, the North American mo- market, even though initially this wasn't our uh, the, the model that there that was brought over was not one that people really gravitated toward, we become used to it and companies have become more receptive to what f- form of free to play works here. And so having that free to play game uh, and and adapting to that market is making it more accessible for people to play. Um and and a better experience, uh, user experience for most people. Like they're they're understanding now that no people do not want a, a pay to win kind of style. Yeah. Even though it may, it may have worked in other areas, but uh, the fact that the fact that this is one where like uh, I mean you could pay to get things to happen faster, but because it's a pick up put down kind of thing, you don't need to. Mm-hmm. And it's there's nothing wrong with it, and you it doesn't really affect your gameplay at all. It's 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 that's. And more companies need who are doing things like that need to kind of follow that model. Like, I want to be able to just grind up myself. I'll wait. I'm patient. It's a mobile game. I'm going to put it down in a few minutes anyway. Mm-hmm. Cool. But, uh, yeah, no, it's cool. So check it out, Phil. You will like it. It's great. I might. I don't. I have to admit, even though I, I love most Nintendo things, the Animal Crossing franchise never super duper appealed to me. Um, so. Whatever. We could be friends. No, no, no. I know it doesn't affect our personal my- I know it doesn't oh, affect no, no, no. I mentioned the game. Oh, I see. See, I need okay. you. I need I you to be my friend because right. uh, I need you to help me mine things because I need – and so I don't have to pay to mine the things, you see. That's that, sounds, that sounds <laughs> like so much fun. I am on board. It is. It's great. Yeah. I just need you for that. That's the only reason why I'm pitching to you. So I see it. I see it. I hear you. We'll talk yeah. about this in greater detail. So – 
Yeah, I, I think so. I think so. Um, okay. So speaking of a more powerful device than a mobile game, uh, Brendan has received his copy, well, his copy, uh, got a Xbox One X, and the magazine's been testing it out for a bit. And oh, cool. uh, today we'll also have a review on the site, so you yeah, may yeah. want to check that out uh, if you haven't already. Uh, but Brendan, why don't you give us some of your impressions about the Xbox One X? <clears throat> yeah, I can do a quick uh, quick impressions. So Phil, you know what the Xbox One, One is, right? Of course. Yeah. Well, <laughs> did you ever want, wish that had um, more power and would work in 4K? No. Okay, this is not the console for you, because that's the advantage of this console. <laughs> okay, sweet. How does, so it compare to, how does it compare to the, uh, the PS4 uh, with, that runs at 4K? Yeah. Also, also you got to talk about teraflops. Oh, yeah. Well, this one is yeah. more powerful than the PS4 Pro, which is the right. one that runs in 4K. Yes. It's a much more powerful system. It's, a much more, it's really well designed as a system. Microsoft have clearly put effort into making this one of the most powerful, yet one of the most small consoles currently in the market. Yeah, because it's hmm. smaller than the PS4 Pro right yeah, now, and the One S as yeah. well, the Xbox One S as well. Hmm. Also, it really you can tell the power of the system when you're playing games. There's no lagging. They load up quickly. They all run really smoothly. You're getting the HDR going on. You get the 4K. It all looks as it should. The question is only, if you don't have a 4K TV, or you don't have an HDR-compatible TV, you're not going to get the full extent of what this console has to offer. I think this console is where gaming is headed. Uh, More textures, more immersive gameplay, better audio. But right now, I don't know if this is a saturation to justify it yet. But if you have have those things needed... This is the console you should be buying if you're planning to go into the Xbox direction. Or even comparing it to the PlayStation Pro, this is a much more capable system. Now, uh, just for the people who are really interested in streaming, um, how does that compare to the capabilities of PS4 Pro? Well, if you download the Twitch app, you can stream directly from the Mm -hmm. Twitch app with the Xbox One X. So it still has that same ability. It can... It has the ability to capture in 4K, although if you want to just capture and save to the hard drive, you have a limit of about 30 seconds, which compared to the PlayStation that has a limit of 15 minutes, it's a bit of a downer. I am also not a huge fan of the Xbox interface, but that's just because I'm used to the PlayStation 4 interface. I think it's doing what it needs to do well. It's just a very different user experience if you're coming from the PlayStation platform. That being said, Microsoft put work into making the interface better than it was two generations ago or two iterations of this dashboard ago. Uh, I wish they would stop updating the dashboard because although they're making it better, they're changing it every single time to a completely different way to function. Brendan, you're just afraid to change. That, that's clearly what it is. Um, <laughs> but I think overall, th- if you're planning to buy a system this holiday and you're comparing the PlayStation 4 Pro or the Xbox One X, this is the one you should go for. The Xbox One X is a much more capable much more powerful platform that is going to get most of the games other than the ones that are exclusive to Sony platforms. If are they having more... Do they have more exclusive games than Sony does? No, they have, they have a different They're set just of exclu- a different selection. So it, also, really, it all, really still comes down to what, what games you prefer to play. Also, third-party games have more power to play with. The Xbox One X is more powerful than the PlayStation 4 Pro, okay. so you will have the chance that it will have slightly higher textures maybe a slightly higher frame rate because you're but dealing with a much more powerful console. Aren't those always also released for they will PC? Be. Oh, yeah. So why wouldn't you just play it on a PC? 
I guess get those a, who to get a PC that actually has 4K abilities yeah. and has HDR is actually kind of hard right now because a lot of computer monitors aren't HDR ready. Okay. So if you want to have both 4K and HDR, it's actually easier on console right now than it is on PC for most people. Mm-hmm. So there's an advantage in getting the Xbox One X. And with it hitting just before the holiday season, it's the perfect time if you're planning to buy a console or planning to upgrade your console because you just got a new 4K TV. So Xbox One X wins the console wars, according no, to you. No, Xbox One uh-huh. X wins the spec wars. Okay. And it's really a question of what if you want to spend the money, get the Xbox One X. If you want to go cheaper, the PlayStation or the Xbox One S are still perfectly good systems. Yeah, that's the thing is I feel like right now the – like. It just feels like these the, uh, the this new Xbox and the new PlayStation. They just feel like they're pretty well for the like high end gearhead audience. Yeah, yeah. Like it doesn't feel like it's a broad. Uh, they're not trying to reach a broad crowd now. I feel like they, they the Xbox One and PS4 are the general console right now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. this is just for people that I want a little extra. At this point, like, oh, very much so. You're yeah. not wrong at all. Like if you're planning to just want to play games and you don't have a 4K TV, you don't have a high-end sound system, the Xbox One S or the PlayStation 4 regular are perfectly good choices. There's nothing wrong with them at all. They yeah. still look yeah. good. They still play all the games you're going to want to play. You just might not get the high-end textures, but if you don't have a TV to support it, there's no advantage. And I think at this yeah. point, though, Nintendo, so- just going back to what you were saying, Phil, Nintendo, Sony, and Microsoft have all identified their audiences and what their preferred gameplay yeah, is. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. um, again, it's 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 not if you are one specific genre dedicate have that yeah. dedication towards that it's not really going to make you change sides oh yeah and, and and let's go look at this way if you already have an Xbox One S and you just want it for HD Blu-rays or 4K Blu-rays the Xbox One S already does 4K Blu-ray it already mm. does HDR the Xbox One X is really if you want that extra oomph in performance you want that extra little crisp quality for the visuals, if you don't want that and you don't have a 4K TV, there's no advantage in the One X over the One S. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. And I'm just curious to see. I mean, like I understood how HD completely eclipsed SD yeah. because it was such a titanic leap. I do just wonder if we're just going to live in a world now where like 4K and these new systems is just like and like uh, and for, for like the person that wants a sports car instead of a a sedan, you know what I mean? I think right now that's what it is. It's the people that really yeah. want that extra oomph or that extra, hey, look at how detailed the screen is right now. Oh, I will mention, though, the Xbox One X, if you have a 1080p screen or 1080p TV, it will do super sampling, so you'll have really crisp, really detailed visuals that you would not be able to do with a standard Xbox One X. And they aren't noticeable, right? You, you'll notice a lot more quality on the screen. You'll notice a lot more depth in the visuals. That you will then you will be able to get with a Xbox One X, sorry Xbox One S or a PS4. Yeah. Right so on. Super sampling is neat. So if you don't have a 4K but you still want to get the Xbox One X, you will see something. You just won't see quite as much of an advantage if you don't have a 4K TV. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Right, that's all I have to say. Cool. Read my review on the site right now. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks very much. All right, guys, that was a that was a good time. I think it was. Time to... it sounds like you're losing your voice. So I guess yeah, it was a I... good time. I think it's time to wrap up. So, but uh, anyway, thank you everyone for listening. And if you like what you hear, or you want to know more about the things that we talked about, visit us at cgmagonline.com. Like and subscribe to our, to our podcast on Buns Podcast Network or Apple iTunes or any of your other favorite podcast app. 
Uh, you can follow us on Facebook and uh, at CG Mag- uh, CG Magazine. You can follow us on Instagram at CG Mag Online. And uh, you can also follow us at Twitter at CG Mag Online. Guys, you want to plug your Twitters? B four twenty six. Sure. And I'm at that Phil Brown. Cool. Do you guys have anything else you want to plug? Not right now. No. no? Okay. No. Cool. No, not now. I'm at on Twitter. I'm at Lisa Awesome with no E's. You can follow Yay. me. Follow me, Phil. I do. <laughs> I, I do follow, follow me. This follow is, me more. Follow. This is. I'll follow you harder. How about follow that? me harder. <laughs> anyway thanks again to buns podcast network and comic bento for sponsoring our podcast and from everyone here at cg magazine have a great weekend